this series is about looking at attributes and, and uh, kind of, yeah, things about Jesus. And Dola last week, you just said, what we want to do is just fall in love with Jesus again afresh, don't we? And we want to get to know him again. And today, we're looking at Jesus is, the big reveal, faithful. Um, so again, I don't know if faithful is a word you use a lot in your everyday conversations. I'll be honest, I can't remember the last time I ever said the word faithful. Um, but just for a minute, just have a little think. What does that word mean to you? What does faithful mean to you? Okay. Yeah, stays with you all the time. Yeah, okay. And there'll be other words in our heads. Lovely, he's got eyes on you, that's great. So, yeah, think of those, think of those words that are coming to mind. And I think that's called a wordle, is it? Um, lots of words there. Some of the words you're thinking of may be on that uh, screen now. But I looked up the definition of faithful in the dictionary, and it kind of gave two attributes of the word faithful. So, remaining loyal and steadfast or true to the facts, or the original. And I want to say thank you to, um, yeah, I'm going to say thank you to Simon in a minute. But let's have a little think about the, the dictionary definition. I kind of thought that was really helpful, that when we actually think about Jesus, he is so loyal and steadfast, and he's true to the facts or the original. Last week, again, Dawla talked about what is truth, and everybody's got their truth, but actually, God is truth, Jesus is truth, the Bible is truth, and Jesus is true to that truth. He's true to that. So this is what today is all about, being, uh, Jesus being faithful. And when we think about this definition, I think that's really helpful. Jesus was absolutely loyal and steadfast. He lived out that truth that Dola unpicked last week. And, uh, you know, when we look at him, we look at the Bible, we look at the truth in the Bible, and we see how he's, uh, how he's lived that in his life and what he wants us to do. So three questions, and I, want to do, I do want to say thank you to Sam. I'm not sure if he's here today, but just translating some of the key slides into Farsi for our Iranian friends. Uh, so should we give him a round of applause, even if he's not in the room? Thank you, Sam. So three little questions we're going to answer. Um, how do we know Jesus is faithful? Why does it matter? And then how should we live our lives differently? Three simple questions. And I'll be honest, I could have picked out hundreds and hundreds of verses in the Bible where it explains to us that Jesus is faithful. What I've done is I've just chosen nine different examples of where the Bible explains that Jesus is faithful, and we're just going to look at those now. And my first example is from the book of Isaiah. So this was written 700 years before Jesus was born. The prophet Isaiah prophesied about Jesus. And this is what he said. He said, in Isaiah 11.5, righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. So again, Dola talked about a belt last week. It's quite important. It holds your trousers up. If you haven't got a belt on, it's a bit embarrassing. But here we've got a sash around Jesus' waist, and it's called faithfulness. And I found this verse quite impacting because we all know Jesus is holy and righteousness, but actually faithfulness is on a par with that. It's on a par with Jesus' holiness. Faithfulness is at the core of Jesus, tied firmly around his waist. Second example. So this is from one of the Gospels, the Gospel of John. And Jesus talked about himself a lot in the Gospels. And this is what he said. He says in John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So Jesus knew there was an incredible plan and purpose for his life. And he was faithful to that calling. He was loyal and faithful to his father's will. 
Jesus had a work to do on this earth and was faithful to complete this work. Again, faithful. Now I'm going to skip to Hebrews. So Hebrews is written by the Apostle Paul. Fantastic book, full of truth. And my first verse is Hebrews 2.17. Hopefully you can read it, otherwise I'll read it out. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of his people. So again, it refers to the call on Jesus' life to be the great high priest, the one and only high priest, the sacrifice that he made on that cross 2,000 plus years ago, the one sacrifice that atoned our sin, that made us righteous in him if we trust in him and accept his salvation. And uh, yeah, he was faithful to do his father's will. Hebrews chapter 3, here we are, verse 2. Uh, this says, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. And another verse, a little bit later on, um, Hebrews 3, verse 6. Again, I'm going to unpick this little passage a little bit more. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we, the church, are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Now, I'd like to pause on those two verses a bit and fill in the gap. I'd like to read verse 1 to verse 6 in Hebrews. Because in here, God supremely reinforces his view that Jesus is faithful. And the way that he does that is he compares him to one of the superheroes of the Jewish faith, Moses. And we know a bit about Moses from our previous preaching series. So let's just read the verses around uh, these two verses that I've pulled out. So it says this, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So we're told that Moses is faithful in all his house. It actually sounds like Moses owns the house, doesn't it? But no, he's not the builder or the owner. And verse 5 makes that really clear. It says, Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant. He's a servant in the house. The servants don't own the house in which they work. He's a worker in the house. But next we're told that Christ is a son over his house. That is, God the Father is the owner and builder And Christ is over the house almost as an owner-manager, almost like the perfect landlord. And the house, as I said, is us as Christians. So think about those times that Paul was writing uh, that that verse of Scripture, or those verses of Scripture. All Jewish people would have held Moses in the highest esteem. He was, as I've said, the superhero for all Jewish people at the time. And we know Moses was faithful. From our previous uh, sermon series, we knew that Moses led, I think, two million people out of slavery in Egypt to the brink of the promised land. He was faithful over, I think, four decades through pain, through struggle and trial. It's incredible what Moses did. But here's the thing. Jesus is even more incredible. And the great point of these six verses is that Jesus is greater in his faithfulness than Moses. Moses was faithful in the past. 
but Jesus is still being faithful. Jesus was faithful while he was here on earth to the Father, and Jesus is still faithful in heaven. Jesus is faithful on an ongoing basis, and he's continuing to be faithful even today. Jesus is better than Moses because he's the great high priest. He's the one and only great high priest. And here you've got Moses was a faithful member of God's house, but Jesus is the faithful builder. Moses was a faithful steward or servant, but Jesus is the faithful son. Moses gave faithful testimony, but Jesus is the fulfillment of that testimony. And hopefully these thoughts have just reinforced that Jesus is faithful. Number six, also from Hebrews. This is, uh, I think, explaining to us that Jesus is faithful in his promises. So it says here, Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold on swervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And we sing that song, uh, his promises are yes and amen, and he's a God who keeps his word and all that kind of thing. And I'll be honest, sometimes his timing frustrates us, and I'm going to come to that in a little while. But he who promised is faithful, and that is the truth that we stand on this morning. He who promised is faithful. Number seven. This reminds us that Jesus is faithful through and through. It's in his nature. It's in the core of his being. Hebrews 13.8 says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, all eternity. He's unchangingly faithful. Eighth scripture I've just picked out. Now skipping to Revelation. Grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. The faithful witness. Um, my last scripture, which hopefully just reinforces everything that we've just looked at so far. It just says that faithfulness is in Jesus' character. It's in his name we can call him faithful and true. Revelation 19.11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. Could have picked hundreds of passages. They're the nine I've picked. Different attributes that show Jesus is faithful. So, why does it matter? Okay, why does it matter that Jesus is faithful? I think it matters because we can absolutely know, and I think people have heard this this morning already in worship, that we can trust him in all circumstances at all times, and in all places. In good times and bad times, we can trust that he will be faithful and unchanging, even in spite of our circumstances. Okay, so let's just think about that this morning. He's faithful, we can trust him. Easy to say, isn't it? Okay, sometimes much harder to work out. Sometimes the hopes and dreams that we have for ourselves, that we think God is going to bless and God is going to work out in our lives, they don't happen. Or sometimes they happen on a different time scale. And when we're experiencing this, I would suggest that God doesn't seem to be faithful to his promises and that perhaps we think he's made. A couple of little examples. I'm sure you've got lots of examples, but I think it was 30 years ago now, we lived in this lovely one-bed flat it was really nice. We had our first child there, and we converted the flat to be a two-bed flat, one bed to a two-bed, lovely cul-de-sac near the station. It's the perfect place to live, perfect place to buy a house, perfect place to raise a family. God was good, wasn't he? And miraculously, or coincidentally, two doors down, house came on the market. 
at a price we could just about afford, needed doing up. We thought, oh, God, you're so good. Paid out. Uh, sorry, didn't pay out, but put an offer in. It was accepted. And, yeah, we did pay out. We paid out for all those surveys and things like that. Spent quite a bit of money, which we, you know, struggled to find. And we really felt God's promises were working out. What a faithful God he was. And you know what I'm going to say next. This was back in the 90s. I'm very old. Back in the 90s, the market was quite volatile. And there was something called gazumping. I don't know if you know what that means. But that means that someone comes in, and although the vendor has agreed to sell the property to you and said, you know, it's my word, you've got it, I accept your offer, someone comes in and makes a slightly higher offer. And we couldn't afford that slightly higher offer. And they said, no, actually, we're going to sell it to those people. All of a sudden, God didn't seem to be quite so faithful. And it was a bit challenging. I had to move out of our flat, put our stuff in storage, various people's garages around North London, moved in with relatives. Uh, and, you know, that was a blessing, but it also wasn't such a blessing. It was a difficult time. Um, but in the end, looking back, God was faithful. Uh, we didn't appear to get our dream house, but God actually had better plans for us. And sometimes you only realize that a few years down the line, don't you? And in fact, about 10, 15 years later, that house that we thought we were going to get came back on the market and we went to look around it. And yes, it was a very nice house, but maybe it wasn't quite as nice as we thought at the time. And, you know, we trusted in God. Actually, he is faithful. So another example, um, again, a long time ago, 20 years ago, but it impacted me, something that stayed with me. I was given a word from somebody that I trusted, you know, Christian guy, leader, he gave me this word uh, related to my profession, which is working in schools. And I was starting to be like a senior leader in a school. And he gave me a word from God that promised that I would be a leader of a community, almost like a pastor in a school. And that really impacted me. And I thought, okay, maybe it's time just to take the next step to become a deputy head teacher. And then, you know, on from that to become a head teacher. And I felt it was right to start applying for deputy head positions and I'm not sure if I thought it was going to be easy I think I probably did because in my career every time I'd kind of gone for a job it was at the right time right place seemed quite easy to get the next promotion but it wasn't so easy it was quite challenging doors seemed to open and then doors seemed to shut and doors seemed to open and doors seemed to shut and it went on for a period of time and I thought hang on God you gave me that word aren't you faithful your promises are true and all that kind of thing but actually it doesn't seem to be working out but after quite a few interviews, I did secure a deputy headship position at this school here. It's in Hertfordshire. It's called the Hemel Hempstead School. Looks very nice, doesn't it? Um, in terms of the worldly, it didn't make a lot of worldly sense. I was working in inner London with the inner London allowance, moving out to Hertfordshire. Didn't really get any more money, but the door opened. I got the job, and off I went to that school. Um, looking back, God was faithful, and he had actually worked out everything for me in terms of the best next steps. Because at that school, I worked for this guy here. His name's Alan Gray. He now runs Sandringham School. He's just standing outside Sandringham School in St Albans. And at the time, I knew he was a good head teacher. And it was a real blessing to work with him. But God knew how good he was. Because a few years ago, he was nominated to be the head teacher of the year, all the schools in the country. And he won that award. And I consider it a blessing that I worked with him for a period of time. And I think it shaped me as a leader uh, in my career. So, again, God is faithful. Jesus is faithful. And in amongst the setbacks at the time, he was working out his plans and purposes in my life. Just on that note, when we were going through that, so my wife's there, Caroline, who you know, sometimes setbacks are easier to handle when you're going through them yourself. I kind of thought, okay, door closed. I trust you, God. 
But sometimes the people around us find it a bit harder. They get frustrated. They don't understand it. You can't understand why this is happening. And it reminds me that when we see our loved ones getting knocked back, it's almost harder. When it happens to us, perhaps we can cope. But when we see our loved ones struggling, it's even more painful. And sometimes we feel powerless to help. But Jesus is faithful and he knows what he's doing. So more recently, we've had some challenges in our family. And sometimes it's harder when it happens to your children. Very kindly, my son Jake, some of you know, has given me permission to share something of Jesus being faithful in a situation he's experienced in the last few years. So hopefully, there he is, lovely boy. 2018, we're on holiday with the family. He's standing next to his lovely mum, looking gorgeous. And there he is. Um, but on that holiday, he shared with us, he said, mum and dad, I've been suffering with depression. That was quite a hard thing to hear. And he said he'd been suffering with depression for a, quite a significant amount of time. And linked with that was anxiety for a number of years. And he can remember one time at the age of 12, going to meet some mates on a bus. And he literally was physically sick with anxiety of going into that social situation. They were a real struggle for him. We knew more recently about his disappointment with his A-level grades. Worked so, so hard. Clever boy, worked really hard though. Didn't take it for granted and kind of won top grade on his A-levels. He missed by literally two marks. So he didn't get to go and study his dream idea of studying medicine at university. And uh, we knew that impacted him, you know, quite hard. What we didn't realise is how hard it had impacted him and taken him to some really dark places. And I mean really dark places that we kind of then found out. And it was a difficult time because as parents and as parents who believe that Jesus is faithful, it's a really hard one to process and work out. What the hell is going on here, God? What is going on? Uh, we believe you're faithful. Jake took a gap year to recover and things seemed to be heading in the right direction. He actually applied to do maths and economics at Nottingham, where Daniel is, top uni in the country. And despite his anxiety and perhaps his depression he'd suffered, we thought and were praying that this might be the fresh start with support in place for him to move on. Literally, on the day he was due to go to uni, we had one of probably what I would say is the most traumatic experiences of our lives as parents. And we ended up dialing 999 and calling for an ambulance. There it is outside our house. And Jake had, had we didn't really realise what was happening at the time. It was almost like he'd had a stroke or a heart attack or a seizure. But he, what he'd had is a massive panic attack. It lasted for about an hour and a half, that serious. And the paramedics came and they helped him out of that. So Jesus is faithful, but he didn't seem to be so faithful at the time. Difficult times. So that was his university room, all made up for him. All ready for him to go, but he never made it. And a week later, I drove up the M1, four-hour round trip, emptied his room out, brought all his stuff back. He never made it there. Really tough year for him, but Jesus is faithful. The day he was meant to enrol, he said to me, Dad, are you going to church tomorrow? And I thought, that's a strange question, Jake, because I always go to church. But anyway, uh, what he was basically saying is, can I come with you? And he wanted people to pray for him. And Jesus was faithful because even though Jake had taken a big step back from church, he knew where to go. Whew. So that morning on Sunday, Duncan, you'll remember this, uh, you offered to meet up in Millhill Park and I sat in your car in the front seat and you said, let's just pray, Jerry. And you pray first, Jerry. 
And I said to Duncan, I can't pray. And what I meant in my head is I don't know what to pray for Jake. I didn't know what to pray as an outcome for Jake. But then I thought, hang on a minute. Yeah, I can pray. I can say, Jesus, you are faithful. I can say, Jesus, you're on the throne. I can say, Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I can say, Jesus, you're the King of kings. I can say, you're the Lord of lords. And that's what I did. And sometimes, and you said this to me the other day, Duncan, sometimes when we're in a prayer meeting, if we just declare truths about Jesus, the power of God comes in our midst. If we worship like we worship this morning, God speaks to us. Simple as that. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Sometimes you don't know what to pray about your loved ones or yourselves. But God is faithful, and he's unchanging. And, uh, yeah, that morning at church, I've got to say it's one of the hardest services I've ever gone to. I stand next to Jake. I'm trying to worship Jesus. I know he's standing here. He's really struggling. Uh, but he's there. And I want to trust all the time that Jesus is faithful. Now, in the Bible, it says that the word of God has the power to cut right through joints and marrow and uh, cut right through to the heart. And that morning, some people in the room, some people here today, had some passages of scripture, some prophetic words that they shared. And at one point, no shadow of a doubt, I heard Jake gasp. It was like somebody had stabbed him in the heart. And I think I gasped at the same time. And it's actually a word that you gave to all of and uh, this was the word that you said. And, and what, I'm sharing this because I want to encourage you that when you share a passage of scripture on a Sunday morning, when Pete, you come down and you just give a prophetic word, you've no idea the impact it's going to have. When Becca, you just say what you've said this morning, no idea what impact it's going to have. And it's really important we keep doing that because God can speak through it. So here we go, Dorla. We actually emailed you after the service. I think I emailed you and said, oh, any chance you could write this down? Yeah, and you, you sent this back. It was exactly what you said on the Sunday. But you said, you said this, I initially saw a gigantic serving spoon with liquid dripping off it. I felt the drips were like medicine or highly nutritious food. And as we were worshipping, I thought about catching the drips in my mouth. And then I was reminded of an old black and white movie where someone was lying on their deathbed and a relative was trying to feed them porridge to strengthen it. Strange word. I felt that God was saying that there were people who viewed their circumstances as if something had died. Maybe a potential opportunity was now dead in the water. A dream was no more, or even physically people were feeling as if they were dying. But just as Jesus looked at Jairus' daughter and said, she's not dead, she's sleeping, so too he looks at the stuff in our lives. And though we feel there's no longer potential, he can bring life. I felt specifically that pressing into God in worship was a way that he wanted to give us his nutrition and medicine. And as we look at the nature of God, know who he is, rejoice in his goodness and meditate on who he is, we can rest in the journey. Someone said that word, he places us on. And that cut right through. Jake literally gasped. It's like you stabbed him in the heart, Dora. And uh, on your email, you added this at the end. You actually said... I know little of Jake's dream. I can't say whether God wants to resurrect it or not, but we can be certain that God doesn't want Jake to die with it. God wants him to continue hoping and dreaming. Sometimes when we look at God and acknowledge that he is good, we create our own definition of what goodness is. However, God is good and we can trust him in all the unexpected places he leads us. I may be wrong, but I pray that new dreams would rise up in Jake that cast shadows <laughs> over what he's hopeful in the past. <laughs> Goodness me. Jake said to me, I won't be able to share this, but anyway, here we go. <laughs> Whew. And he did give me permission to say this. 
Anyway, end of the day, Duncan and I prayed for Jay, and it was tough, but Jesus is faithful. And I actually remember in that service praying that in the disappointment of everything that had gone on, despite Jake not gaining the dream of training to be a doctor, he would actually go on and be a doctor, be like a doctor to people around him in ways you could only imagine. So just remember I prayed that prayer. And I want to say it wasn't a prayer of blind hope. It was a prayer based on the knowledge that somehow in all circumstances, Jesus is faithful. We can't see the future, can we? And at that time, it seemed a very difficult place to be in. But Jesus is faithful. I'm going to move the clock on a little bit now. I think probably two months later. That's Power League in Mill Hill. So again, life's not perfect. Jace still not in a great place. He's finding anxious to do stuff. But he did start playing football with some of his mates. Um, I don't know if this was the second or third time he'd gone. And he gave me the exact details of this, but they're playing a match, running around like crazy on a whatever you do in those places. Um, But 10 minutes into the game, someone shouted, one of our mates has collapsed. I'm panicking, like, what's happened, what's happened? And even though Jake suffered with anxiety, whilst most of the group were panicking, Jake ran over and checked for a pulse. And he couldn't find one. He checked in all the places, could not find a pulse. His friend's heart had stopped beating. Uh, In amongst the panic around him, Jake started doing CPR and carried on while others dialed 999. Someone then remembered that there was a defibrillator somewhere in the building and ran to get it, but Jake carried on CPR while those minutes passed. And when the defibrillator came, everybody looked at it and didn't really know what to do with it. So Jake carried on doing CPR until the ambulance arrived. The paramedics arrived and they said that Jake had done everything he could. He'd started the pulse again and he kept it going. So it was a really stressful time in that situation. But when he came home, the next 48 hours, literally all he did was he Googled on YouTube how to do CPR properly. And he thought, oh my goodness, did I do the right thing? Did I do it right? Is my friend all right? And his friend was carted off to the Royal Free Hospital. We didn't hear anything. But also at the time, Jake remembered, even though I suffered with anxiety, in that moment of quite extreme stress, I had peace and I had calm and I didn't suffer any anxiety. So there were things going on in Jake's head. And it was a worrying two, three days, 48 hours. But gradually the message came through from the Royal Free Hospital that his friend had not just survived, but had not suffered any long-term injuries or setbacks. So it's an incredible story and it really impacted me, as you can imagine, And despite the very real and debilitating issues of living with anxiety, despite the disappointments, Jake had actually saved someone's life. A few months later, he got a text from the boy's parents. Hi, Jay, it's Paula, Jay's mum. I've been wanting to write to you, but didn't know what to write. Where do I start as thank you just isn't, I feel, enough? There are no words as as to how extremely grateful and so relieved we are. Thankfully, you, William, and Devon responded so, so quickly. And apart from being brave, but also a very loyal friend to Jay, if it hadn't been for you and Jay being with his dearest friends that evening, this would have been a completely different outcome. You saved our Jay, Jake, and we will be forever thankful. Kindest wishes, Paula and Jim. Is Jake's life completely better? Not entirely. 
but he's gone to study medical science and sports studies in London, and he's currently securing a master's course in physiotherapy. We still nag him about going to church, but Jesus is faithful and continues to, by his grace, work in his life. Jesus being faithful means we can trust him in the good times and the bad times. Jesus himself was faithful in incredibly bad times. Jesus' faithfulness is depicted and shown so strongly in his obedience to his Father's will to die on a cross for the sins of the world. And if you think about this, this is the most terrifying thing that anyone has ever had to do. But Jesus was faithful to it. Faithful to God and faithful to us. God entrusted our eternal destiny to Jesus. God knew he was trustworthy, and he was. The cross then proves that Jesus can be trusted and he is faithful. More specifically, it, trusts, it proves that you can trust him. If you can trust him with your eternal destiny, you can definitely trust him with today and next week and next month and next year and the coming years. You can trust him with those dreams that are so precious to you that you actually don't really want to share them with anybody else. You can trust him with your heavenly future. You can definitely trust him with your earthly future. You can trust him when life is good, and you can trust him when life is falling apart. Others may have betrayed your trust, but you can trust him. If you can trust him to go to the cross for you, you can trust him to be there for you. If you can trust him to die for you, you can trust him to live for you. If you trust him with your soul, you can trust him with your life. Third and final question. How should we live our lives differently, knowing that Jesus is faithful? So by now, we should know that God thinks a lot about the attribute of being faithful. And again, I don't know if you've read the fruits of the Spirit. There are seven of them. But in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, it actually lists faithfulness as one of the fruits of the Spirit. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and here we go, faithfulness gentleness and self-control. So God is faithful and he expects his people to be faithful. God's word speaks of faithful servants. I think there's that verse that says, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There'll be a day when hopefully he says that over us. Well done, faithful servant. True faith shows up in faithfulness. So just to conclude, Jesus is our example of faithfulness and God has called us to be faithful too. And let his faithfulness inspire us to be or faithful. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God does have good plans for us. Life makes us battle-weary, but God's plans far exceed the disappointments we may have experienced in our lives. Let's continue to have an expectant and eternal hope. And talking of hope, Hebrews 10 19 to 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. What's it say? For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So what I'd ask you this morning to do, Trinity Church, is to encourage one another to be filled with the Spirit, because one of the gifts of the Spirit, it's faithfulness, attributes of the Spirit. Let's continue to encourage one another to live out these values. Can you see them up there? Okay, honour, courage, generosity, purity,
community, seeking God's presence and desiring to transform our community and bring salvation in our midst. And let's be faithful just as Jesus is faithful. God bless you all this morning.